Blog Talk Radio. Today, 
and I hope you really, really hang in there with me. And as always, we do encourage you to call in and give us your comments or thoughts on whatever we're talking about. Uh, by chance, I don't get to the specific topic that you want to talk about. Make sure you write some notes down so once I open phone lines, we can get it in, okay? That's um, Now, speaking of that, let me tell you how you can be a part of the show. And it's very easy. The first thing you got to do, just call me at 347-838-8622. Once again, that's 347-838-8622. You can email me at ericletslets.talk at gmail.com. Our chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. All right. And for those that have other ways of communicating with me, you know, you're more than welcome, you know, to do that as well. Uh, if you can't, you know, you don't want to read on on the air, just let me know that, and you know, we go from there. All right. So those are all the ways you can be uh, on the show today. And as I said before, I do look forward to hearing from each and every one of you because you you are what makes this show. That's for sure. All right. So with all that being said, it's time to get some music going because it is Monday. You know, a lot of y'all have the Monday blues. I understand that. <laughs> you had a great weekend. Now you can go back and sit in that office and be bothered with people that you really don't want to be bothered with. They're coming in with bad attitudes. And because why? It's Monday. <laughs> they don't like Monday. You don't like Monday. Y'all have to deal with each other. So, oh, to brighten your day up a little bit, I'm going to play you a little bit of music here. We're going to start off with Mr. Stevie Wonder and an oldie but a goodie, Sir Duke, man. Y'all enjoy. See y'all in a few. Thank you. 
All right, those were your songs of the day, man. I gave you two of them, two oldies, but goodies. Yes, sir, Mr. Stevie Wonder and Sir Duke. And then, of course, there was Miss Cheryl Lynn and Got to Be Real. All right, man, welcome back to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Mr. Talk in the House. How y'all doing out there this wonderful Monday afternoon? Hope everybody's having a great day and your weekend was even better. All right, so... We have, man, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, but before I go any further, once again, let me tell you how you can be a part of the show. Because then you do play a very important part of this show. 347-838-8622 is the number. Once again, that's 347-838-8622 is the number. Uh, you can also email me at ericletsletstalk talk at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget our chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Okay, so those are all the ways you can talk to me, and I do want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> oh, whatever we're talking about, that means you have to sit back and take notes to our finish running off at the jaws, and please do. So once you, I do open it up and bring you into, on, into the show, you already have your um, comments and thoughts together. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes for... Very, very smooth conversation. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, let's see. What are we going to talk about first? You know, there's so much going on out there that uh, it is crazy. It really is. And you know what? Before I get to Mr. Jameer Hill, let's talk a little bit about this great administration that um, we are all living under. Uh, whether you say he's your president, he's not your president, what have you, you're still living under his administration. And uh, there's some crazy things going on, man. It really is. Number one, there was going to be secret talks at Camp David with the Taliban. The Taliban. Wait a minute. Isn't the Taliban the group we're supposed to be fighting over in Afghanistan? Huh? Is this the same Taliban that we were supposed to have talks with back in the early 80s over there, the, the, their oil in Afghanistan. Yeah. So now what you were going to do is bring, quote, unquote, terrorists that you have proclaimed that that's what they are onto United States soil, right, to the president's summer weekend winter meeting place and have them sit there and we all going to have a nice conversation. Yeah, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> That's why it was secret. That's why it was secret. Now, since it has come out, you know, all of a sudden, no, we can no longer have meetings with this Taliban people because they blew up these people and there happened to be some Americans over in, in one of these other countries. And uh, now Trump says that, that the meeting is dead with the Taliban, is dead. Peace, peace talks are now defunct. No, not happening. Not going to do it. Yeah, don't believe the hype, people. Don't believe the hype. Isn't it interesting, though, to sell all those tickets about who these people are, but yet you still want to bring them over onto American soil and talk to them? Now, I know some of them are like, well, that, Mr. Talk, that's the best place to have it. Is it really? Is it really? A place like Camp David? Yeah. Well, no matter whether he gets reelected or not, other presidents would be going that way. So just show them how to get there. Let them see some of the layout. That was about the dumbest thing I ever heard. But, you know, 
this is these people are who we dealing with, right? A little bit more on this administration. Now, I know you've heard about this little spat we got going on with Iran right now, especially about the the waterways, the Strait of Hormuz, or Hormuz, however you pronounce it, um, oil tankers and the sanctions that the United States have placed on it, um, Iran and so forth. And they've been chasing this one tanker. <laughs> um, what is it? The, uh, Adari, uh, Adrian Dara 1. Yeah, that's it. That's what they've been chasing. Okay. Now, supposedly they had the British at one time intercept this tank because supposedly it was taking oil to Syria, which the United States does not want anything, anybody supplying Syria with anything because it's going to the quote-unquote fighters over there. That's, you know, against American interests. Let's just go and put it that way. And they claim most of the fighters, that's fighting with the sports side is um, Iranian-backed fighters. Okay, so, but anyway, now, so this shit was taken taken by um, the British, British Navy, and it was being held in, you know, held basically hostage, basically what it was. So Iran said, okay, no problem. So a couple of more ships came through the strait, and the Iranians took their ships hostage. They said, okay, y'all want to take ours? We'll take yours. Now, this was basically going on tit for tat, what have you. And let's, before I go into the further, let's don't forget that the um, about the ships that were so-called bombed or attacked by Iranian forces in, in the Strait uh, a few months ago that the United States blamed on Iran. However, however, countries doing investigations say, yeah, no, we have no proof of that. And that's where Gibraltar comes in, because that is where the, the ship was sitting at um, Gibraltar, and the United States wanted Gibraltar to hold the ship. Just hold it. Well, Gibraltar was like, no, 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 no. Can't do it. There's no evidence that they did anything. So they let the ship go on by this way. <laughs> now, I'm telling y'all this story for a reason, okay? Um, and, you know, Gibraltar released it. Of course, Iran, Iran said, well, no. You know, we're not taking this oil to, to um, Syria. We're not taking it there. They didn't say where they were taking it, but just not Syria. Which common sense tells you, if somebody chased me, I would tell them the same thing. Nope, I'm not doing it. Mm-mm. But then again, we talk about an oil tanker, so the, the oil can actually be downloaded offshore somewhere or in the middle of the ocean, and other little ships can take the oil to wherever. But once again, the key word in this thing is oil, right? Yeah. That's the key word in this whole situation, oil. But anyway, continuing on. <laughs> continuing on. <sighs> now, as this ship is out there in the ocean, and supposedly they turned off their tracking device, you know, all ships have tracking device uh, that they're supposed to, you know, leave on so everybody, you know, they could be followed. And they turned it off. They turned it off. So now the United States really didn't have, you know, they don't have any way of tracking this thing. They think it, 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 it has actually gone to Syria, but they have no clue. But before then, now this is, this is it's really crazy, man. Our U.S. State Department decided, well, let's try a little bribe. Now, you know, it's interesting because there is a saying that uh, United States, you know, doesn't negotiate with terrorists. 
right? When you're kidnapping, you're holding something hostage, you don't kidnap with. You, you, they're not, you know, in the United States, not going to uh, negotiate with them. Well, in this case, the U.S. State Department decided to offer a captain millions of dollars. Now, it didn't give a specific amount. It just said millions of dollars. Yeah, this guy, Brian Hook, head of the, uh, I guess, the, the State Department's Iran Action Group. Did y'all even know there was a group by that name? Yeah, the Iran Action Group emailed the captain of the Adoran Dire One about selling it somewhere where the U.S. could seize the ship. Now, they want this captain. They're going to give him a million dollars, maybe, because we know how, how, how slick you know, uh, our, our, our country is. Tell you one thing, but do something totally different, and especially in the case of uh, just like um, North Korea. But we're not going to go there right now with North Korea. But anyway, so they wanted this captain to take this ship and sell it somewhere, probably out in international water somewhere, where the United States Navy could take hold of this Iranian ship. And do what with it? Hold it for hostage. Or maybe even take the oil. Who knows? Yeah. And at the time, it was thought that this ship had 2 million barrels of oil on it. 2 million barrels of oil. So, the captain didn't even bother to respond. And uh, the ship went on. And Gibraltar released it and the ship went on. As I said before, it's out there in the ocean somewhere. Nobody really knows where the ship is, um, <laughs> you know, and, and they still try to get hold of the ship. Like I said, it's been going on for some time, um, at least since July, but it was a little, little further than that. Anyway, the U.S., which has its own sanctuary, issued a warrant to seize the vessel in August, mid-August, yeah, after Gibraltar announced that the tanker was free to leave. The U.S. Department of Justice alleged unlawful use of the U.S. financial system to support and finance the sale of oil by Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps to Syria. Now, it's interesting because the United States has also classified these individuals as a terrorist organization. Yeah. So anything involving Iran right now is considered a terrorist organization or terrorist, period. But it's interesting that, you know, since this has been going on, the price of oil has actually gained a little bit. It has. It's up to $56.52 a barrel right now. And that's one of the biggest weekly gains since July. So why does the United States want this ship so bad with all this oil on it? Is it because it belongs to Iran and they're trying to get it to Syria and, and to support Assad and, and the fighters? Or is it because the United States just won't go? See, there's multiple ways you can look at this thing. But they're working very hard for some reason to get their hands on this ship. You can't tell me there's other ships, there aren't other ships out there with oil on it. And Iran is the only country that is supplying Syria with oil? No. No. But the bottom line is, it is a part of Iran, and the United States is trying everything it can at this time to make Iran seem as bad as they can to help to get the allies to come on board with them. The only problem is the allies are like, look, United States, 
You created this mess. You did this. Just like ISIS in Iraq and the Taliban and ISIS in Iraq, the United States created this mess. MS-13. Of course, if you listen to everybody else in this great government that we have, you would you would think that no, that's not the case. But yes, that is the case. The United States created this mess, and now they want to blame everything on somebody else to make themselves look look great and, and think and be a part of quote unquote um, in the name of democracy. But if that was the case, why did you pull out of the nuclear deal anyway? Why? Iran was following the, the specifications, the, the requirements. Everybody was happy. Everyone was happy. But the quote-unquote leader of the free world, which is a statement I really, really hate, because there's more free countries than just uh, the United States and definitely not the leader of the free world. But I digress. Uh, decided that they, he wasn't happy with the deal because he's, quote, unquote, the great deal maker. But yet we haven't had a great deal made by this guy. What great deal has been made by this dude yet? He's been over there kissing Jill Kong on but. Oh, he's a great guy. We fell in love, blah, blah, blah. And North Korea keep telling them this, but yet they still firing missiles. They still doing what they want to do. Now Iran said, okay, it's like this. Since you want to pull out a nuclear deal, we're going to go ahead and continue doing whatever we were doing before, working on our nuclear program. Who could blame them for that? I mean, honestly, who could blame them for that? No one. No one. Of course, you have the opponent, the the, the 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 pundits out there that say, "Well, it was a bad deal," and they were still doing this. Well, maybe they were. However, there were reports from within the the actual government of the United States of America that said they were, they were abiding by the the, the, the new nuclear um, deal. But of course, the person that said that later on had you know later on resigned. Like most of them that tell the truth in that administration are forced either forced to resign or or get fired. So now what we hear is the same thing we heard leading up until the Gulf War. Leading up to the Gulf War. No, they're state sponsors of terrorism. They have caused this group. They support this group. They do well. If I'm not mistaken, the United States supports a lot of groups, support a lot of groups as well. Then can they be classified as terrorists? Yeah, you can. You can. We have our own terrorist organization that's always working in the shadows. That's always doing something that the public does have no idea about. And we support the individuals that we want to take a look at Venezuela. All that chaos and stuff going on over there. Why? Because the United States decided they weren't happy with the leader of that country anymore. And since they, and since they forced elections and the new guy came in, even though 
he didn't win the election, the United States is backing the new guy. So what is going on? As always, there's individuals in the background that cause enough chaos, enough uh, um, doubt to start riots and things like that. So they say, well, see, the people aren't happy. The only problem with this is in Iran, that's not happening. That's not happening. Not at all. But yet the United States is constantly, constantly bothering these individuals. See, and that's the problem. We always want to put our hands and our noses and our feet and stuff in things that don't, I mean, really. It was a uh, report came out the other night where India and Russia are about to um, start trading with each other in their own currency, i.e. moving away from the dollar. So what does that do? That drops the, the value of the dollar. Now, I'm interested to see what the United States is going to do about that because you can't have that. You cannot have that. If the world and other countries decide to move away from the dollar, that devalues the dollar, which makes the dollar worthless. And without the value of the dollar and the dollar pushing world currency, the United States has no power. None whatsoever. That's why they're so hard on China. Because China owns a whole lot of America's debt, little as it's known. China has the buildings and uh, property all over the United States of America. But they're not saying that. But he wants to start a trade war with China, which he continues to say, well, the American citizen will benefit from it. Well, actually, there are some American citizens right now that are not benefiting from the farmers for number one. It has gotten so bad for farmers, some of the farmers are now committing suicide because they're so far in debt because of this trade war with China. But if you listen to the propaganda that's coming out out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Oh, well, this is to be done soon. Everything is going great. And the base, the, 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 his base is, they're, they're going for it. They believe anything he say. It's one thing to say it, but actions are saying something totally different. Totally different. And the, 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 the bottom line is, even though he's in office right now, this is not something that's new for what this country is doing. It's not new. Been doing it for a long time. A long time. But no one's going to admit that. No one's going to admit that. <laughs> Because then that says who's the real who the real bad guy is, you know. And here's another thing that's quite interesting: you have two countries, 
Now, I'm going to say two countries right now. Israel, you know, which is a bad word if you say anything against Israel. So I guess I'm about to say a bad word. You know, which basically has become the bully in, in, in the Middle East. You know, they, they have people on the other side, oh, just right on the other side, that, that uh, you know, they're treating horribly. And the United States of America, that's constantly, continuously working on nuclear weapons. Then you take the United States. The United States is the only country that has ever used a nuclear weapon on anyone. But isn't it ironic that you're the one that's trying to requiring or, or uh, forcing or telling other people you can't have any nuclear weapons? Isn't that hypocritical? I can keep mine because that's what I do. And then to top it off, then what are you going to do? You going and step out of the nuclear deal with Russia. With Russia. And of course what Russia said. Well, we're going to go on and do what we need to do with our nuclear, uh, um, our, our nuclear program as well. But I don't see the United States over there bothering them, trying to force them not to. Why is that? Why is that? But yet you continue to bother these people over here in uh, Iran. You just want to keep beating on Iran, Iran, Iran. Well, if you really dig deep and look at the big picture, Iran is not the problem. It's also ironic to look ironic to take a look and, and back in history and see how Iran, Israel, and the United States are all tied together. That's an interesting thing in itself. Iran was one of the first countries that ever recognized Israel as, as a country. I think it's around in 48 or something like that, when nobody else would. Muslim country, anyway, when no one else would. The United States used to sell weapons to Iran. Russia used to sell weapons to Iran. Israel used to sell weapons to Iran. how crazy this 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 whole situation is the more the more you you look into it the more you shake your head because you're like no this can't be but it is it's a bunch of hogwash it's a whole bunch of hogwash israel let me tell you about israel israel um netanyahu he was doing a, a interview and the person interview asked him straight up does Israel have nuclear weapons? Straight up. This man looked at the camera and said, well, that's something we cannot discuss. Wait a minute. You're supposed to be big and bad over there. If you have them, say you have them. It's, not, it's already known that you do. Say it. See, everybody want to throw a rock and hide their hand. But when the rock comes back at you, you want to stand there and like you don't see it. 
So now we're paying, we're offering millions to ship captains to take a ship out in the middle of international water so we can send our Navy to get it with the two million barrels of oil on it. Isn't that something great? That's how you do it. But of course, when the story came out, if it was actually a success, you wouldn't know that's what happened. Why am I telling you this? It's simple. I'm telling you this to stop buying into all the bull nonsense that uh, that's that's uh, uh, being being said, being told to you. <laughs> that's for real. That's for real. You know, it, it's very. Very interesting to say this. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that to your attention because, you know, sometimes you won't hear about this or you only hear one side of it. Yeah, you only hear one side of it when you should be listening to all of it. All of it. Okay? Now, with that being said, uh, we we got that out the way. That's not what I want to talk about straight off. That's what we will talk about. That's what we did talk about. All right. So now you know. The United States is offering money to cap ship captains so they can go out there and and, and steal the ship. <laughs> but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So okay. Next. Um. Check this out. Check this out. Um. Miss Jamil Hill, and y'all know Jamil, as I said before, she worked for ESPN. She had a show with the uh, one guy, and everybody, you know, um, you know, she used to talk, have a, have a conversation about sports and things of that nature. Anyway, she got in trouble because she definitely had a voice of her own, and she spoke out, you know, against some of the things the president was doing to him. Basically, calling him a bigot and what have you. And yes, 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 you know, that was not that was not acceptable at that time or any time still. That wasn't acceptable. In this politically correct world that we live in. Even though everyone can see it, everyone can say it, you just can't say it out loud. Because you offend too many people. Even though it is the truth, the same thing with with some of the members of the squad. Look at the the the, the, the character assassination that's going on. Look at how hard they're trying to shut these women up. Why? Because they're telling the truth. They're telling the truth, especially about that one country they call out there, Israel. They're telling the truth. And we know in this political system that we live in, when you start rocking the boat, especially when you start telling the truth and inside secrets, oh, no, we, you can't have that. You cannot have that. You got to go one way or another. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, go back to Miss Hill. And we've had this discussion here on this show 
uh, 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 we we had this discussion on the show about historically black colleges and universities. We have we, we, we've talked about this uh, a couple of times, and but Miss Miss Hill uh, wrote an article over the weekend, and she said something that was really interesting, and it's, and of course. As always, anytime she says something or she she writes against writes something that a lot of people don't agree with, you know, you get called names and what have you. But I'll let you decide, because I have my own view on, on what she said, um, and I unlike those that that really jumped on her, I don't think that is what she meant. She she made a lot of sense, and. There's more to what she was saying than people are actually willing to admit. Anyway, so let's get to it. All right. Jamil Hill Post, the overall health of historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, would improve exponentially, I can't say that word, but y'all know what I'm saying, greatly if top black prep athletes chose to play there instead of predominantly white institutions. Okay? Now, that, you know, is a synopsis of what she basically said. And she makes sense there. She makes sense there. That that does make sense. If more three, four, five-star athletes chose historically black universities to play athletics at, yes, that would bring more revenue in. Yes, that would uh, get the boosters more support, more uh, advertising, even be a part of uh, television, lucrative television contracts. I agree with her on that. I do. I, I really, really do agree with her on that. And at one time, it used to happen like that. It really did. In the 60s and 70s, yes, that's, that's what went on. However, you have to take another look at this thing. And I, I, I've said this on the show before, and I'm going to say it right here, right now. I'm going to tell you. And this pertains to the HBCUs as well. When these coaches, athletic directors, recruiters, whatever you want to call them, go out here to get these players, they're not recruiting them for education. Okay? That, that, that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. I know a lot of you would like to think that's what they're doing. Well, yeah, they got a full ride, but they have a full ride on the athletic scholarship. That is subject to be taken away from them if they become injured and can no longer play. And you have another uh, high-rated athlete coming in, and you need a scholarship. But that's another show as well, which we've done before. Now, with that being said, that that, that was the first thing I, I thought about when I, when I, 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 I read what she said. Okay, yes, it would bring uh, some more financial stability to the HBCUs. But me being me, I had to think about 
the educational side of it. So what are the graduation rates for these these, these black players, African-American players at all these schools? You know, the white schools, the black schools. What, what is the graduation rate? And honestly, there's not much difference. There, there, there really aren't. They're not. They're not. There isn't much difference. You know, um, black men made up 2.4. Let's see, I'm going to give you some numbers now because I know a lot of you want numbers. So I'm, I'm going to throw these numbers out here at you. Black men made up 2.4% of the undergraduate population at the Power 5 schools. Okay? Now, the Power 5 schools are the big white schools, the Notre Dame, University of Florida, uh, Northwestern. So you're talking about the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, uh, the Big 12, and there's another one out there, uh, ACC, I think. Yeah. So, at all those conferences, all those schools, Black men make up 2.4% of the undergraduate population. Listen to this now, 2.4%. But comprise 55% of the football teams and 56% of the men's basketball teams. So, are they recruiting them for education or for sports? Numbers say sports. If you look at the numbers, they say sports. Okay, now, the top three institutions for graduation rates of black male athletes was Northwestern at 88%, followed by Vanderbilt and the University of Notre Dame at 86%. All right, now, anybody who follows any kind of sport, especially college sports, we know Northwestern and Vanderbilt, very rarely do they, they field any strong, strong athletic teams. Okay, but they have a lot of black players. Notre Dame, okay, that's a surprise, but that's a private school. So now, conversely, conversely, y'all like that word right there? Conversely, okay. On the end, other end of the scope, you have the University of Florida, the University of Georgia, LSU, better known as Louisiana, Louisiana State University, had the lowest graduation rate at thirty-seven percent, thirty-six percent, and thirty-four percent, respectively. You hear me? Okay? You hear me? And we know those schools are always in the top 10, top 25, especially when it comes to uh, uh, football and basketball, which are basically the major sports for, the, for, for these universities who pull in all the money. Now, you take a look at that. If black, if, if black men make up 56% of the basketball teams and 55% of the football teams. It's more than about education. It has nothing to do with education. I often say it. These uh, white colleges are offering things that the, the, the HBCUs can't do. One guy, um, who, was, who ended up playing, uh, what did he end up playing? He looked at Florida A&M University. All right, that's in Tallahassee. Yeah, he looked at that. But he ended up chosen, He chose, ended up going to uh, one of the white schools. I think it was Wisconsin or something like that. 
And he said it best. He said it best. Why eat McDonald's when I ain't going to eat filet mignon somewhere else? Okay. Can you can put it that simple? And that's the way our, our black um, youth, men, black young men are looking at things. That's the way they're looking at it. You know, right now, HBCUs, you have nothing to offer. You have nothing to offer. Yeah, I know some of you say tradition, you know, uh, um, and the numbers say, you know, uh, it may be a little cheaper, but there's not the prestige. You know, there's not the big boosters that can slip you 100 or 200 here if you have a good game. They don't exist at HBCUs. We see, as I say, we've talked about this before. They don't exist. Now, we get back to the graduation rates. Now, here's some of, and these are some of the schools you know that everybody talk a lot about. Florida A&M University, a graduation rate of 39 percent. Alabama A&M University, 31 percent. Jackson State, 40 percent. North Carolina A&T, 44%. Tennessee State, 41%. And Clark Atlanta. Okay? And this graduating in six years. Six years. This not four years. It's six years. And if you're paying attention to what's going on, in, in and I, love, I know a lot of you probably aren't, in the college world today as far as uh, 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 football and sports are, what, the, what these people are doing, they finish in their four years and or if they're four or five, four years or what have you, if they got injured any time during that, they're, they are transferring to other schools. Yeah, they're transferring to other schools. Here's the thing. They are not transferring to HBCUs. They're transferring to other uh, major white colleges, colleges and universities. So how do you fix that? How do you fix that? You know, and, and Jamil Hill, her her uh, her statement was based on financial and, and numbers. That's what it was based on. I I put the graduation thing in there because I have to look at I look at it that way as well. You know, yeah, you get these students, but what is the graduation rate? And as you can see between the two, the graduation rates aren't really that much different. Shouldn't that what shouldn't that be what we're concerned about? The graduation rates? Are these individuals graduating with degrees? Yes, we know that, that less than two percent of them turn pro. And and in some cases, some of them leave before you know they graduate. I, you know, and I, I didn't go check and see what's the, the the rate of the players that came back and graduated. But that's different. We we're not gonna get into that side of it. Let's talk about the ones that's in and stayed four years at least. Four years. It's not about the education part of it, y'all. And I think what she's trying to say. See, she was. There are a lot of people said, well, 
you know, because she said that she's advocating for segregation, um, she's being liberally, she's being racist. You know, no, she's not doing that. I, I understand what she's saying. She's talking financially. Financially. If you get more big-time players, you get more national recognition. With national recognition comes more TV spots on TV games, more advertising, more sponsors. That's what she's talking about. And as, as, as we do know, HBCUs right now financially are in a very, very bad spot. Right now, there's 102, 102 black colleges and universities in the United States of America. Split down the middle. 51 of them are public, 51 are private, nonprofit. That's not counting the other 50 or so that just that that just went out of business. You know, just just couldn't couldn't afford to stay operating anymore. So that's what she's talking about. And basically, it, her what she's talking about is based on um, television contracts and things of that nature. Uh, let me tell you. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Yeah. Let me back up for a minute. Yeah, the kid I was talking about was Kevon Thibodeau, who was then ranked as the top high school football player in America. He visited Florida A&M University, Tallahassee. Okay. Now, once he visited there, he came back and said, I really just wanted to learn the history of Florida A&M. Okay, he received he received a scholarship offer from the school after his freshman year in high school, and I wanted to show there were more opportunities out there than just big time Division one schools. Now that sounds good, right? However, Thibodeau announced that he was going to one of the top football programs in the country, the University of Oregon, and basically said nobody wants to eat McDonald's when you can get filet mignon. Yeah. Yeah. Just that simple. But here's 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 something else. But just because he mentioned Florida A and M, all right, and talk positive. Only thing that was talk positive about it, you know, the alumni and national awareness of Florida A and M just grew. It just grew. However, it didn't happen. Nothing else happened. He went to Oregon. Now, this is a lot of what what Jamil is basing her her, her stuff on, especially when you talk about the Big Five conferences. Because if, you know, you're scrolling through TV, you'll see the ACC channel, SEC channel, Big Ten channel, Longhorn Network, all, all these other channels on there. And CBS have theirs. Notre Dame plays on NBC exclusively most of the time. ESPN, you know, they have their college games. CBS Network, NBC Network, you know, all these these different channels where these schools play at. Now, listen to this. The NCAA reported $1.1 billion in revenue for its 2017 fiscal year. Most of that money comes from the Division I men's basketball tournament, 
In 2016, the NCAA extended its television agreement with CBS Sports and Turner Broadcasting through 2032, an $8.8 billion deal. Okay? Now, about 30 Division I schools each bring in at least $100 million in athletic revenue every year. Almost all the schools are majority white. In fact, black men make up, I told you, 2.4% of the uh, of the total undergraduate population of the 65 schools in the so-called Power 5 athletic conferences. And, yes, they make up 55% of the football players, 56% of the basketball players. I told you all that, right? Now, if you ever see, and, and this is something uh, I'm thinking you paying attention, you know, if, if you follow any type of, of sports, you'll see where a Florida A&M or go out and play a Southern California, uh, uh, the Florida Gators, the Miami Hurricanes. Okay, you already know. There's no way they're going to win that game. There's no way because the talent level is not there. And then most of the time they're going to those to the opponents. They're going to Gainesville. They're going down to Miami. No, they're playing at Notre Dame, at Michigan. And it's because financially they're getting paid to come and get beat. Come and get beat. But that's where the money is coming from. So Jamil is saying, well, if some of these athletes that play for Miami, Florida, what have you, black athletes would take and and bring their talent to the HBCUs, then we would be drawing some of this NCAA, the CBS money, this Turner Broadcasting money, which would financially put HBCUs in a better place. Now, listen to this. Alabama's athletic department generated... Okay, Alabama. Y'all know who Alabama is. They played for the national championship last year. Uh, athletic department generated $174, $174 million in the 2016-17 school year. Okay? Whereas HBCU that generated the most money from athletics that year was Prairie View A&M. Prairie View A&M, which bought in less than $18 million. Now, when you take a look at that, you say, okay, that's not bad. But if you go down deeper into the numbers, if you go deeper into the numbers, it, it really tells you the disparity of what's really happening here. Now, the total revenue for HBCUs in the 2016-17, in 2016-17 was $8.3 billion with $1.9 billion from student tuition and fees, the total expenditures was $7.9 billion was spent on infrastructure. Okay? So there you have it. There you have it right there. There you have it. So when you start listening to Jimmy here and you start claiming that she's racist, or she's talking uh, 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 segregationist, uh, what have you. No, 
she's talking financial stability and financial survival of HBCUs. That's what she's talking about. But in order to do that, we have to have our athletes stay home at historically black colleges. That's, that, that, that's, that's it right there. That is what she's saying. But of course, if you listen to national news media, what have you, you'll miss that message because oh, they they want you to think it's, it's about ethnicity, and, and you know she's got she has something against the the, the the white ethnicity or anybody else. But no, she's speaking survival of the HBCUs, financial survival. That's what she's talking about. Now, here's another interesting thing. That, that, that I thought about while I was reading this article was where does the parents at come at in this? Now, we've always already said it's not about the education. Okay, but most athletes, when they're being recruited, it's not about the education. And, and to be honest, let's really talk about most parents, if their sons or daughters are, are, are three, four, five-star athletes, they're really not thinking about education either. Most of the time, what they're thinking about, oh, if they get into to, to college, a good college, and perform halfway decent, they may make it to the league. They'll make it to the league. And then we have the big contract. So the parents themselves aren't mentioning HBCUs unless Unless, which is in quotation marks, they attended the universities themselves. HBCUs, that is. But we do know in many cases, no, a lot of them attended the University of Miami, Florida, USC, Southern California, you know, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. So that's where the, the, the black young men go, the black athletes go. And I'm sure some of them are being made um, deals that they can't refuse. Let's let's be honest. Is this not strictly about you know? Yeah, I'm gonna come to your school because yeah, I like it. There's been many investigations. Recently, we had one in the NCAA basketball. Remember that? Where the assistant coaches were paying players to come to the school. Hiring brothers, putting them on the staff so the little brother can come to the school and play. Chuck Person just got caught up in that. Great basketball player himself. So don't think that these black athletes are going to these schools just because they like the school. There's more to it than that. Now, should HBCUs do the same thing? Eh, depends on how you look at it. But they don't have the backing, the boosters, uh, what have you, to, to, to quote-unquote pay the players to come there. So they have to settle for those that they get. I mean, that's the bottom line. That 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 is the bottom line right there. That is the bottom line. Okay. So Jamil Hill had it right. She had it right on this one. 
And as I said before, she wasn't being racist. Okay? She wasn't being a segregationist. She was just telling the truth. In order for HBCUs to survive, they need more black players to come to the schools. Easy peasy, right? But where are the parents in this whole situation? Are the parents a, a part of the greedy but like like um and, and see here's here's another thing, and this was just in the news. I go get it about the what Felicity Hoffman and the, the, the other people that paid to have their daughters go to school. That were put on athletic scholarships that you know that they couldn't play at all. Now just think if if they, these individuals did it because they were rich and they could get away with it, you know they're celebrities. But just think what is going on if you got a five star athlete and he could take your program to the next level. Hmm, make you think, huh? So it comes down to finances, people. Finances and morals and values. And the old bugaboo in the the black community, we treasure sports and the possibility, not a sure thing, which, like I said, less than 2% make it to any pro um, league. Right? So the possibility that my child may make it to the league and become rich and Quote, unquote, take care of me. And a lot of them, yes, come from single-parent families and so forth and so on. So when you you take a look at stuff like this that is said, you have to go back and look at the whole picture. The whole picture. This is what Jamil Hill said was just a synopsis, a synopsis, as I like to say. Y'all know I have problems speaking with my ninth grade education, so please forgive me if I pronounce any words wrong. But that's the truth. <laughs> that's the truth. Now, for those that may be just tuning in, I'm going to tell you. I'm talking about Jamel Hill. She did a post in Atlantic that says the overall health of historically black colleges and universities, which we call HBCUs, would improve expeditiously if top press top prep athletes chose to play there instead of predominantly white institutions. And basically she's talking about the Power Five conferences, SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12. Uh, Did I miss one? I said ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12. Yeah, that's I think that's those. Yeah. Yeah, and she's right. But parents have to step in and, and and do more because, as I said before, it's not about the education. See, this is something that you have to understand. When when you talk about sports and recruiting players, they're recruiting the player. They're not recruiting the student. Yeah, they use the term as as student athlete, and that may exist in places like. Northwestern, Vanderbilt, no Colgate, U.S. Military Academy, 
But when you start talking about these big schools, power five schools, no, they are recruiting the athletes. That's what they want. And as I, I've said already, if you go and check out the graduation rates, the Power Five and the HBCUs, they're running neck and neck. They're running neck and neck. So it's all about the money. It's all about who I can get in my to fill my stadium up. I mean, think about it. You have college stadiums that hold more people than NFL stadiums. The Rose Bowl. 100,000 plus people. Michigan Stadium, I think they hold 100 plus, 100,000 plus. That's packed every Saturday. Every Saturday. Now, the interesting part about HBCU, I see you, Triple One. I get you in a minute. Uh, the, the, the interesting part about HBCUs, if any of you have gone to a game, you know, nine times out of ten, once the band comes out of halftime put on the show, the crowd leaves. That's a fact. I've seen it myself. So, not only do we not get the players, but can we really say that the dedication is there for athletics and HBCU unless you play for the, the school? So, once again, let's look at the big, big picture. Not just take a snippet and, and just go from there. We have to look at the whole thing. And the bottom line is, let's let's push the educational part. You know, <laughs> you know these schools are making big, big, big bucks off these kids. Uh, whether it's Power Five, they still uh, HBCU, they still making money. They're bringing in cash. That's why a lot of HBCUs have conference tournaments now, especially during the NCAA tournament. Basketball tournament. No, just to play one game, you making money in the NCAA tournament. Think about that. Time to showcase and hopefully draw some recruits. But you won't see no. Now you won't see them pushing the education. Maybe you'll see a, a quick commercial in between, you know, about the campus or what have you. But that's it. Then you back at the the, the, the sporting event. <laughs> That's facts, man. Those are the facts. If you don't believe me, this weekend, catch a college football game on the tube and watch the see, see the pageantry, the the. You can't. This is there. It's all financial. It's all financial. All right, I'm going to shut up for a minute. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. All right, let me, let me bring this call in here, right here, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, Triple One, welcome to the show. Who do I have here? What do you have for me? Welcome back, Eric. How are you doing? Well, 
Thank you, Joe. I'm okay. I'm better than I was. But thank you. Ah, good. And welcome um, back. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about you, and then I missed you last week. I didn't want to miss you this week. You sound mm-hmm. well, so um, I'm glad nothing happened to you. And uh, so I thought I'd, uh, like old times, I'd come on in and uh, find out what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Say what? Remember when you first started out and you, it was just you and me for a couple of weeks? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like old times. Just yeah. like old times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, then you started rocking and rolling, and then from there, you, uh, you know, you've been on for years. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. With, without you, I had to fall asleep at, um, at some, other, um, some other show. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yep, well, I fell asleep. Um, I found another show. You would like it. And uh-huh. um, I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, but that's the way I've always been. I've always, you know, whenever a show is on for a while and I'm, um, you know, and I'm listening to it, um, I, you know, I'm always listening on my speakerphone. I'm lying down. I've got the phone next to my head. So uh-huh. I fell asleep, you know. <laughs> that's yep. the way it is. <laughs> yeah, we know, Joe. We know. I know anyway. I know when you're going to sleep on me, but it's okay. I understand. <laughs> yeah, you know, even people hear me snore. I never, I never hear myself snore, but uh, you know, what the hell? <laughs> well, I hear you sometimes. I know, uh, I know. People keep telling me. So how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. You know, good, I, I, good. Yeah. No, I, I, like I say, I'm back now. I'm back. Good. Now. All right. We get so back in you were our talking routine. about um, um, parents getting their kids into school, and I can't blame the parents for wanting to get their kids into school, but like, um, uh, what's her name? The name just slipped me. Not Felicity Huffman. She only paid five thousand dollars. It was the oh Lori Mc uh, Lori Mc Lori Laughlin, right? She paid five yeah. what fifty thousand dollars yeah. to get her kid yeah. into school. And then mm-hmm. a kid disavows her. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined well, you my know, life, mommy. <laughs> you know what? I really can't blame the daughter for that. I, I really can't. You know, I mean, when it comes out, can you imagine her classmates and stuff looking at her like, oh, that's what you got. It. That's how you got in here, huh? Mm-hmm. You know? That, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah. If she was a dummy, I could certainly see that. You know, but she was put on the rowing team. She never put, she never wore a kayak in her life. Never stepped foot in one. Never rode one. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, you ruined my life, mommy. Oh, shut up. You know, I mean, it's bad enough your parents put you, you know, embarrassed your family by putting you through school in a way that was illegal. But then you got to talk about the family like that just before court. Oh, shut up. <laughs> well. You know, it is what it is, Joe. That's yeah. what rich folk do. That's what rich folk do. Yeah. And they, they, just got, they just got caught. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. Can you imagine how many others were like that? I mean, I'll bet you them, if they were to investigate and be thorough about it, they would probably find that amongst the normal student ratio, I would say one out of every 100 to 200 students has a student that's there because mommy or daddy paid for her to get there. 
Maybe maybe the oh, ratio yeah. might even be smaller. Who knows? Oh yeah, no, no. I'm sure there were more out there. They just got this caught up to this group right here, and they, they you know, and, and you you would think that they'd be used as an example, you know, for the others that may think. But I think um, Hoffman, what she got one month in in jail. She got sentenced to a month in jail out, you know, because she pleaded out or what have you. Right, she pleaded I, it out, yeah. Yeah, so so what does the what what does that really say? You know, well, you can do it if you do a month in, in prison. You know, just make a deal. Well, yeah, that's you know what that says to me. It says that you can do it. Like, remember, um, there were times when you would talk, uh, every once in a while, you would talk about celebrities and going to jail and stuff. And Lindsay Lohan at one time, um, when she was good looking before she started using drugs and messed up her face and had plastic surgery that went wrong and shit. She uh-huh. um um <laughs> she used to get away with drunk driving, coke, um, all yeah. kinds of stuff. And what it said That's to true. me Yeah, what it said to me was that, Oh yeah, the celebrities get away with it. But why do they get away with it? Because the lawyers know how to use the law. It's the same law that can be applied for people who are middle class or um, uh, lower class income. But they don't get away with it. It says to me the lawyers are not trying hard enough. That's what it says to me. So the laws don't change. If I go to, if I get picked up for drugs or for uh, coke or something, and if I had the same lawyer that Lindsay Lohan had, I'd have the same probation. But why yeah. would... You know, in my opinion, it's because the lawyers are lazy. They don't care. They take the money and they run. Yeah. And, and probably a lot of them, you know, when you just me and you, we may not be able to afford an attorney, so they give us one of the little court-appointed attorneys that have 8,000 cases. So. Oh, that <laughs> I know. well, that I understand. That I'm a public defender. I can understand him or her yeah. being so, you know, overwrought. They can't do a mm-hmm. good job. But when right. you can afford an attorney... And that attorney still doesn't do a good job? No. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Every attorney that says they're an attorney is really not an attorney. <laughs> depends on how much money. Just Look, let's be honest, Joe. It just depends on how much attorney your funds can bring, can buy. Mm, yeah, yeah I mean, if you honest. can buy the best, sure. But if you can buy yeah. middle-class attorney, let's say the best attorney, they charge $500 an hour. So, I mean, they're getting rich off of you, okay? Uh-huh. They get retainers. They get money up front, 500 bucks an hour if you're, um, you know, if you're caught doing something like a felony. But what about the attorneys that are doing like 100 bucks an hour, 75 bucks an hour? You still have the same laws on the books that they can use to get you off, but they don't get you off. So that's what I don't like about it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying now, Joe. I do see what you're saying. You know, they just yeah. want they just want to take you for about a week. They want a trial for a week. Hope that the the uh, the, the jury acquits you. If they don't acquit you, yeah. So they made a you know they made seventy five bucks an hour for a week, which is better than doing nothing. But <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not if they haven't already talked you into um. You know, Until talking a plea, plea making yeah. a deal, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which sometimes would be worse than, than what you, you know, what, what yeah. you were really going to trial for. That's right. But since I have you, since I have you on live, Joe, you uh-huh. you right on time actually, because 
there's a couple other things I want to talk about here. Okay. Um, and, and these two like go hand in hand with each other. So mm-hmm. perfect timing, Joe. Walmart. Like always. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Walmart. Walmart to only sell ammunition for guns they sell. All right, so this is in response to, you know, the attack at Walmart in El Paso. Right. And uh, Walmart basically says, you know, their assortment will remain focused on the needs of hunting and sport shooting enthusiasts. You know, mm-hmm. if we sell the firearm, we will sell the ammunition for it unless that ammunition, such as the 223 caliber and the 5.56 caliber, that while commonly used in some hunting rifles, can also be used in large capacity magazines on military size style weapons, and right. also the 300 Blackout 7.62 by 39 and the .224 Valkyrie, which can also be used in military style weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, it said we continue to sell ammunition in stores that don't sell firearms. Okay, um, and uh, the Walmart also asking customers not to open carry. Openly carry firearms inside his stores yeah, unless they yeah, are law right. enforcement officers. Yeah. yeah. Um, the company said it is not changing its policy allowing concealed carry. However, you know, they highly, you know, ask you not to. And, of course, you know, the gun rights supporters criticized Walmart's new policies with their, you know, the NRA saying Walmart caved to anti-gun elite and predicting gun owners would shop elsewhere. Now, right. Yeah. Basically... My my thought process is uh is this is they're right Walmart caved they really did they caved <laughs> uh-huh. you know um I I don't know if you listened to the show last Monday uh but the bottom line was this you know and I said it then I said now I don't care who stops selling what you know where or how if individual want weapon and ammo they gonna get it and Majority of the mass shooters, you know, they obtain their weapons legally, you yeah. know, or got them from somebody they live with or knew legally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, regardless of what Walmart does or uh, who else, Gander or whoever sell weapons and ammunition and stuff like that, that's not going to stop it because that is not the issue. You know, that is not the issue. Believe it or not. It's not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I understand, you know, sometimes public outcry, and that really is not public outcry, more or less, you know, special interest groups, you know, get behind and, and threaten to boycott. And once again, we're going back to what we were talking about with the, with the colleges. We're going back to money. It's all about financial, you know, stability. Right. You know, and if Walmart can, you know, say, okay, we'll do this at least for a little while and slowly ease everything back in, then that's what we'll do. But we have appeased those that we need to appease. What do you think about that? I think 100% right on the money. I think Walmart um, is, is dependent upon, you know, financial interests other than just the consumer. So they wanted to give um, a public impression that they were going to be trendy and be sympathetic with the people who got, uh, you know, who were victims over at mass shootings. Um, when you said that it wasn't a policy, but that Walmart had asked consumers not to open carry, uh, from what I understood, um, and I didn't read the article thoroughly, uh, was that they had stopped, they had wanted, there was no open carry allowed anymore inside the stores. So what you had said um, makes me feel better, 
they're asking that people don't, but it's not a, a you know, it's not a, a strictly enforced policy. So yes, people can right. still open carry. Right. Um, well, see, when they first when they first came out with it, it uh-huh. you know, the statement made it seem as though they said, you know, we don't want you to open carry no more. Then they came back and, and clarified, you know, what oh, they were okay. actually trying to say. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they're just bending. Oh, you know, Walmart is twenty percent of the purchasing of guns by Americans. I didn't know that Americans uh, buy their guns, 20% of which are done at Walmart stores. So they're they're capitulating, but I don't like the idea that they do that. I I happen to like the Second Amendment. Oh, and the ammunition that you were talking about before, um, a lot of that ammo doesn't uh, doesn't just necessarily fit into auto automatics or semi-autos, they fit into um, uh, rifles that are accepted um, by the government. There isn't any mm-hmm. real difference between the AR-15 and I think it's the um, maybe it might be the M1. I think it might be, but there isn't any real difference. It looks no uh, more menacing, but they carry the same ammo. Right. Right. And, and see, here's the other thing. In 2015, Walmart raised the limit, I mean, the age from 18 to 21 to those that could actually purchase a weapon in their stores anyway. So it's not like they haven't tried to, you know, yeah. uh, be accommodating or, or help some kind of way. So, yeah, like, it's crazy. It, it really is. Um, we'll see. We'll see how long this is going to last, though. It, you know. I think it was good they came back and actually clarified, you know, because I'm sure there were those like yourself that read it and thought that Walmart, you know, was just saying basically, nope, you can't open carry in our that's store right anymore. Board, yeah. yeah, so that, that's good they came back and clarified it. Um, around the same, same, same uh, information, check this out. The NRA officially branded a domestic terrorist organization in San Francisco. Now... <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, oh, now wait a minute. Now, um, the Connecticut governor, you know, he said the same thing that the NRA should be classified as a terrorist organization, and which is really interesting in itself. But he, you know, in San Francisco, in San, they actually made it. Uh, what? What is it? What did they call it? They actually made. The NRA, a terrorist organization. Yeah, officially. Officially. To label, yeah, to label the NRA a terrorist, a domestic terrorist organization. Yeah. You know, the resolution read, all counties have violent, all countries have violent and hateful people, but only in America do we give them ready access to assault weapons and large capacity magazines, thanks in large part to the National Rifle Association's influence. Um, it also said the U.S. was currently plagued by an epidemic of gun violence and that the gun lobbying group had used its considerable wealth and organization strength to promote gun ownership and incite gun owners to acts of violence. Now, that's hogwash. <laughs> now, we, we know, we do know that the NRA, just like the APAC, you know, for Israel, you know, yeah, they wield a lot of lobbyists and influence to Capitol Hill and what have you. Mm-hmm. But that still don't make anybody go out and, and buy a weapon. 
That hasn't made anybody go out and shoot up anybody, has it? Their policies, they don't, um, they don't um, endorse um, shooting weapons at people. They don't endorse even uh, virtual signaling or dog whistles or veiled um, comments about um, shoot your neighbor, you know, try and pretend to defend your uh, your house. They don't do that. They do. No. What they do is they they want you to buy guns, and the NRA doesn't sell guns, from what I understand. They just want right. everybody to enjoy the Second Amendment, know mm-hmm. how to handle your guns safely, um, right. endorse um, going to the um, to the sh- to the shooting range, but they're not a domestic terror organization. So there, there used to be a time when you could go to school. A kid could go to school with a rifle, um, put it on, put it in the back of his car. Once he got to school, after school got out, he could go into his car, go hunting, and and there were um, uh, there yeah. were shooting ranges at school mm-hmm. back in the fifties and sixties. You could take your rifle to school, put it inside the classroom, or put it inside a locker or something, and then when it came time after school to go to the sh- to, to the range, you went to the range with your rifle. You know, I, okay, okay, that was a little bit too far back for me, but I do remember in high school, you know, the pickup trucks pulling up, and mm-hmm. they had the shotguns right there hanging in the back window on the rack or whatever. Right. You know, and the weapons, I mean, the shotguns stayed there all day. Nobody bothered. The windows down. You know, nobody bothered it. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, like you said, if they wanted to go hunting after they got out of school, they got in their truck and they went hunting. Nobody, okay. you know, nobody shot anything. So, once again, you know, go back to the old saying, you know, ask the question, do, do guns kill people or do people kill people? You know, because if you really think about it, if I lay a weapon right there in front of me, it's nothing's going to happen. <clears throat> nothing's going to happen. It's just gonna lay there, lay there like it's supposed to. Yeah. Now, if I pick it up, if I was to pick it up, point it at someone, and pull the trigger, then that's a whole different scenario in itself. Yeah. So, once again, you know, all these people out here yelling gun control, and I, I said it on the last show. There's not any type of leg- legislation, law, bill, whatever, that you can pass that would stop people from going out shooting up people if that's what they want to do. It's, it's just that simple. I agree. It's with just you. that simple. And remember, we we used to have discussions like this. I had, and I used to give an example. I t- I used to tell people on the phone. I said, "Look, suppose you live in a community where there's about a thousand people or so. Um, one part of the community has given up its guns because now it's a gun-free zone. The other part of the community hasn't given up its guns. Now you know the criminals are still going to get their guns. So right. then I would ask, so where would you rather live?" In a community in which everybody has a gun to protect themselves against the criminal, or would you rather live in a gun-free uh, zone? You know, people would say a gun-free zone. I said, well, look, if the criminals know which are the gun-free zones and which uh, and which zones are people who have guns, where do you think they're going to go to attack and burglarize and commit crimes? It didn't matter to to these people. No, no, guns are bad. Well, give me a gun any old day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. 
And I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because that's who I am. You know, most of those people that treat, that cries for, you know, no weapons and gun control, they all good until something happens close to them or to them themselves. And nine times out of ten, their whole attitude changes. You know, it's like, yeah, I need something to protect myself with. Yeah. You know. Now, if anybody has ever came home and, and, and had your come home to a house broken in, trust me, that's not a good feeling. And the first thing you think about is going to find your weapon and sit there and wait on that individual to come back, hoping he comes back. Why? So you can put some rounds in him. I'm that's just true. telling it like it is. I'm just telling it like it is. So, you know, I, I, and y'all know I, I'm, I'm, I'm about as open-minded as you can get. And if I didn't, you know, if I was against it. And when I first came out, yeah, I was like, yeah, we gun control, gun control. But once I thought about it, I'm like, what is that really going to solve? Nothing. Because you have those sick individuals out there. I'm not saying they're mentally ill. They're just sick in the head. You know, they just want to go out there and shoot up some people. Whether it's, it's, a, it's about publicity, you know, or your religious fanatics or just you know, want to just feel like doing something to get some attention. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe the media needs to stop um, advertising and spending days and days on it as well. I mean, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I don't think that there's no law or anything that can be passed that would actually stop mass shootings. You know, and of course, you know, they changed, they have changed the definition of mass shooting so much now. Oh, yeah. You know, they just, they just <laughs> use the word Broadly, you know, broadly now, and I think it used to be six people, now it's four people or three people or, or what have you. It's a mass shooting all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah I know. That's why Chicago now is um, the, the center of mass shootings. Well, those aren't mass shootings, in my opinion. Those are gang wars. Those aren't people shooting up um, buildings and shooting up um, auditoriums and shooting up theaters. Those are people who are in, uh, in fights. Over drugs and turf. So now, yeah. you know, yeah, now, oh, geez, now we have this increase of mass uh, shootings on the rise. Well, that's because you changed the definition. You changed right. the definition from gang war to mass shootings, and now you're mm-hmm. promoting that definition to try to get people to uh, sell back their guns or not purchase guns. Now, this right. is all, as far, you know, I mean, I've said this before, this is all done on purpose to bring down America to have um, a divided nation. Well, it's working. (laughs) It's working. It it really is. You know, and, and, you know, another, I was having this conversation with somebody the other night at the bowling alley. I say it's interesting that the whole focus is on Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. But there's other places, St. Louis, uh, well, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, L.A. and other places that have higher um, Baltimore, higher homicide rates than Chicago does. But you don't hear about that. Don't they? They want to harp on is that one place, Chicago. You know, just to give it that. That's it. I guess because that's where President Obama was born at. I don't know, but maybe that's what it is. But mm-hmm. you know, but that goes to show how one-sided the news media can, mainstream media is. You know, when they want to just harp on one thing over and over and over and over. You know, but they don't mention they don't mention when these cities have the truce, which they have had a couple of truce, you know, where there's no been no killing whatsoever over yeah. weekends and periods of time. 
But you don't hear the, the, the mainstream media harping on that. They just want to continue to harp on the, the quote-unquote mass shooting. You know, the, the you know, how many bodies were found. You know, it, it's kind of like uh, the generals in the Vietnam War when they was all just all concerned about body count. <laughs> you know, I don't care, you know, where yeah. the body came from. Just as long as I got a body count to talk about on the news tonight, we good. Yeah, yeah, uh, Vietnam was a was a propagandized war. Yeah, and talk about <laughs> um, you know uh, news and media about shootings. They don't they don't publicize the fact that a lot of uh, crimes. As a matter of fact, a lot. Most there are crimes that have been stopped by people who have had guns than right. by the cops. There are more people who have stopped crimes. More citizens have stopped crimes with their guns. Than cops have. You're right. You are absolutely right. But like you, uh, the, well, like we both have said, the media are not going to report that because that goes against the sensationalism that they want to present mm-hmm. and uh, to keep and have the citizen or the sheep, as we call them, Joe, continuously yeah. living in fear. <laughs> you know, living in fear and divided. You know, yeah. against each other. Especially since there's an election year coming up. Here very shortly, you know, it's really finna get bad. You know, oh, yeah. well, I, I, I'm gonna have to make sure I stay on the air so I can bring some truth to the to the madness. <laughs> yeah, boy, well they will um, they will publicize the hell out of anything and everything that um, Trump supposedly does wrong. Even though they'll they'll take what he says, take what he does, and twist it to conform to their twisted agenda. Yeah, stupid media. Well, well, yeah, but Joe, now, as I say, you know, I'm open-minded about a lot of things, and mm-hmm. I understand some of the things. But you got to admit, the cat does do some some very bizarre stuff sometimes, <laughs> and say some bizarre things. Oh yeah, he <laughs> yeah. says a lot of yeah. I mean, he says yeah. you know, he he, <laughs> he does say some crap, but what his actions <laughs> do, um, his actions reveal that he, to me, he knows what he's doing. His uh, well, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I, I guess I can see. You know, sometimes, yeah, I can say maybe it's a distraction to throw you off the, you know, the trail of what he really want to do. However, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes though, you know, I can see. But when he's standing up there at a rally or he's doing his Sunday morning tweets, I don't know, Joe. I think he 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 he, he lost a lot. Oh yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> what he says. Makes him look like his. I remember, uh, I didn't vote for him. And I always said he's a megalomaniac, and I still think he's a megalomaniac. Well, so when he starts tweeting and when he has his rallies, he starts saying a lot of nonsense, you know, that isn't presidential, and that can inflame the media. The media loves it so that they can say, bad Trump, bad Trump. But his policies are good. His policies have helped America. So I like what well, he does. So- and you know when yeah. what he says is like okay mm-hmm. all right well let's wait a minute wait a minute hold on hold on let's talk about that Joe okay now, you say his policies have helped America however there's many of farmers that disagree with you right now especially on this this China trade deal thing you know and I was reading a report the other day the other night rather where it said um, um, there's quite a few farmers that are now committing suicide because they're so far in debt. You know, and they can't see. And a lot of them, a couple of there's a few of them. I'm not going to say a lot. There's a few of them that says, you know, yeah, we voted for him in the beginning because, yeah, we love what he was saying. But now there's no way they would vote for him again. 
So with that being said, and then you have to take a look at the Iran, the Iran debacle that's going on. See, you, I think, yeah, you went on the air when I um, talked about, you know, they offered the Iranian ship captain millions of dollars to take the ship out of the international water so the United States can seize it, you know, with two million gallons of oil on on the boat, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, you had allies and even people in in, in even in the White House saying Iran was actually following the nuclear deal. They were following it, not, you know, not violating anything. Then he comes along, gets out the nuclear deal, and now he's mad because Iran is like, well, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do our thing now, you know, because you walked away and the, the was it the prime minister or somebody in Iran, um, it's on the webpage. Anyway, he said, he said, we didn't walk away. The United States walked away from the deal. So why should we honor something where they walked away? And also, when you start talking about his policies, I don't know, there's, there's kind of a big question mark there, Joe, about some of the policies this man has come up with. Well, his trade deals, but he also gave the farmers who are hurting as a result of the trade deal billions of dollars to pull them over until the trade deals could really be, um, I guess, consummated. Uh, yeah, but something. the only problem... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the only problem with the trade deal hasn't been consummated, and a lot of those farmers they said, yeah, we we had no choice but to take the money. Why? Because uh, we were so far in debt, and you know, I used it. He got one guy said, yeah, I used it because I had to get my tractor fixed, you know, which took most of the money, and you know, a couple other things he had to do on the farm, you know, order just to stay operating. So, yeah, I mean, but. If if this is the case, if your policies are work, if that policy is working so well, why are you giving um, stimulus to the to, to to farmers to keep them um, afloat? So that that says in itself that your policy is hurting you know American um, businessmen, farmers well, right now. Yeah. Well, the, the with the agricultural sector, with I think it was soybeans and maybe some other some other staple. Right. Um, they were right. hurting, but there were, I think, the uranium, not the uranium, I think the aluminum industry and another industry, they were praising Trump for the uh, for the tariffs because that helped them um, in their industry. So it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other, but the, uh, the media doesn't report how the trade deals have been helping. Also, the trade deals um, persuaded Mexico they stop the the um, the onrush of immigrants across the border, so that worked there. And don't forget too, the um, Congress is not in session now. He wanted he made a deal with Canada and I think it was Canada and Mexico um, to replace NAFTA, but then Congress didn't sign, you know, didn't ratify the um, the deal, and instead they're on vacation for six weeks. Yeah, well, they did. They did actually sign an agreement, but basically, uh-huh. that agreement basically was NAFTA um, 2.0. That's all it was. You know, they just changed some of the language in it and some of mm-hmm. the provisions, but basically, it's just NAFTA 2.0. Well, that's of course what you know. That's what's being said in the in the liberal media and other in other. Well, no, I'm not. Well, Joe, you know, I go beyond the liberal media now. <laughs> okay. So I mean, if you're if you're not reading yeah. it from the Washington Post or New York Times, no, you've got, no, oh okay, no, no, <laughs> all right, no, 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 no. I've you know even some conservative guys have said the same thing. You know, it sounds good, 
you know, but when you really read into it, it's basically NAFTA 2.0. It, okay. you know, it, the only thing they did was change the name, basically. That's all. Well, hold on. We got somebody else in here. Let's see who else we got. Okay. I bet I know who it is. <laughs> Hello, Maze. All right. All right Hello, Mr. One. Talk. Hello, Mr. Hello, Talk and Hello, I know I didn't just hear. I know I just didn't hear Joe say that he's doing a good job. Yes, that's what Joe said. He said mm, some of his policies okay. are working. Really? And the deficit is blowing out of proportion. And all of the food and everything else is going Blow. up. Have you seen the prices because of these tariffs of the food in the grocery store going up? And some of the food. Uh, and, yeah. then the, and then those uh, coal miners in Kentucky, you should have heard what they had to say, not the media. They're very upset, too. I yeah. <laughs> don't know where you've been, but uh, yeah. I don't need the media to see what's going on with my own ass. So what do the, the coal miners say? Well, they're upset because uh, they don't have jobs. I thought yeah, the job was coming them, back. Yeah. Uh-huh. He said that. So I remember because, yeah, because they have um, a lot of them. They had one where one guy, where one union was set up on the rail tracks and what have you, and they said they hadn't been paid in a couple of months, and, you know, mm-hmm. there was promises made, you know, based on what Trump told him, and they wasn't, they, you know, it didn't come through. And now they are the no. jobs. A lot, of them, a lot of them have to move. And they, they really don't want to move from, you know, somewhere they've been all their lives. They said, but the jobs are gone. You know, so. Some of the talks, what's funny is that it's time for somebody to get fired. Who do you think it's going to be, Bolton or his vice president? <laughs> well, well right now, so. <laughs> look, look, right now, right now it's not going to be neither. It's not going to oh, be yes. neither. But you remember, they're always out of town but see, you know, but, Bolden, Bolden has to be, you know, Bolden is the, um, he the bulldog right now. You know, Bolden is the tough talker. But Jeff no, Sessions was a bulldog was, too. No, no, but, Sessions, but, well, Sessions but, was like, you know what, I'm doing what I think is right, regardless of what you say, you're not going to bully me, whatever. With the mm-hmm. case of Bolton, Bolton is a warmonger. Bolton will go to war exactly. with anybody, he don't care. Time. He just want to go one to one war. One of the two. But one of Bolton, the two is going to get fired. Hence, see, and here's why Pence not going anywhere. Now, believe it or not, Trump and Pence really are not on the same sheet ideologically no. about anything. Okay? However, Trump realizes if he was to, say, get rid of Pence, his re-election um, chances would go way, way down, believe it or not. I know that sounds but, crazy, but that is, the, that is the truth. But I don't you know, understand in, in why he... Cases, Pence is what's keeping Trump, you know, supporters afloat somewhat. You don't understand what well, they Pence, Well, Pence is a crooked self, so two well, we together, know working together. We know this. <laughs> we know this. But, but I know. still don't understand why, if, if you're seeing all of this, and you're saying it's doing the, uh, this businessman is doing a great job. Well, nobody's you, know, you know, it, it's interesting that, um, you know, that word is used. Um, that word is used, businessman. Now, you know, because I heard that used about J.C. as well, and I had to sit down and really think about that term. And you know what Trump is? He's not a businessman. He's an opportunist. Yeah. It's a difference. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you agree, Joe? He's more of an opportunist than a businessman. No, I would say he's a businessman. I would say he's made uh-huh. most of his How, money. Joe? How? 
How can a businessman file bankruptcy that many times and be a businessman? Because that's what businessmen do. They take advantage oh, of the, okay. uh, of the would you Would you put your money in their bank doing it like that? Are you <laughs> investing in bank? No, 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 no. Would you invest your, your Would you invest your savings in some in a place like that that's about since bankruptcy? You gonna put your investments there? Your life savings and everything. You gonna trust them? There have been times when my business has gone bankrupt in order for them to restructure so that they can come back uh, stronger. It depends upon the bankruptcy. Well, I won't take my chance. I'll go somewhere else where I know somebody that hasn't been in bankruptcy at all. All right. That's, you know, that's your investment philosophy. And, that's fine. And I won't call well, that a businessman. Well, you know, I, as I said before, you know, I, I he's offered to him because he, he he finds loopholes in things. You know what I mean? He's always thinking of how to get around something. And is that a businessman? No, that's all opportunity to me. Oh, if he make money on it at the same time, oh well. <laughs> I mean, he he said it himself when he comes to his taxes. You know, I haven't paid taxes in ten years. You know, because I found loopholes. Well, know, he hasn't paid I'm taxes saying. because he had to write off fifty million dollars a year of uh, of wow. um, of expense. I, that was a tax uh-huh. loophole. Uh, exactly. <laughs> well, the guy's a billionaire. The guy has, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in debt. Well, so, you well, know, and yeah. he did the same thing everybody else does. And he and he owed money for his campaign and all this different stuff and hadn't paid that either. And I'm usually like, really? Well, I don't know about his. I don't know about his. Um, uh-huh. But doing. I don't think I don't. For those that like it and say he's doing a great job, I don't see it. Okay. Uh, well, when the right. deficit, the deficit used to be important, but now it's not. I don't know why well, it's not know, important anymore. Well, 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 you know what, May? You know, I, I used to yell at myself. You know, when they came in, when he came in office, that first thing, yeah, well, I'm gonna reduce the deficit. But you know what? What I have figured out about this deficit thing is, you know, you just can't do some things without the deficit going up. Now, that's just mm-hmm. the way business uh, it is. However, you know, I, I think. You know, in his case, it's just another one of those things that he said that he really wasn't going to follow through with, but it sounded good at the time. And every now and then he'll come back and put out something, tell us his staff, you know, find a way to reduce the deficit. But he knows good and well everything he does is going to raise the deficit. You know, and some of the, the deficit is what oh. it is. The deficit, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it the, is what it is. Huh? And some of the regulations that were sent in place, he didn't get rid of them. Well, you, you know, you know, May, sometimes, you know, I think what we as, as the citizens, not the sheeple, the citizens have to look at um, who's in office. You know, there's a lot of times, you know, one president may think something is good when another come in, you know, for whatever reason, he may not, and he reverse it. Okay. You know, is that a good thing? Is it bad? I guess it's not, it depends on what side of the wall you're on. Um, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing if they're what? doing it for the good of something, not just to be doing it just because they can. That's where the problem comes in. I mean, is, is that really Don't people the case, make changes though? for good? Well, some do and some really, don't. Okay, that's my point. That's my point. Well, well, that's not the case. And then the Congress, whatever he does, the I Congress mean, is right there look, with him, both look, sides. Look, I, I can't say, I can't, no, 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 not right now. Because, you, know, you know, he's not getting nothing through the Democrats right now. And, of course, um, McConnell is not, you know, giving the Democrats anything either. So, you know, we had to sell. They just earn, you know, free money. As Joe say, they go on vacation, basically. Um, but, but, 
They gave them money, and what is he going to do with that money that they gave to the military? For his little wall that everybody thinking is such a great thing, that ain't no wall going to be built. A little piece of it might get built, and that's going to be it. But he's going to take money out of the military budget and put it on the wall. Yeah, the three point. And they didn't have any stipulations. Did anyone? The, did any of the Boston parties have a stipulation to what he was supposed to do with that money? No, they didn't. They just gave it to him freehand. Well, well, Maze, I, I I covered this on the show before. When he declared a state of emergency, national emergency, that mm-hmm. gave him that gave him the 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 ability to get that money from the military because he the declared a national emergency. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's what that's what that's what why he can get the money now without having Congress approve it because the no they, they approved it they no approved no no they approved, no they didn't approve they didn't approve that three point six billion dollars to go to him for a wall they didn't approve it no they didn't they did it for the military and he using it for yeah, a wall exactly right and that's right. why you had some of those Congress people saying that they should have put a stipulation on it to where it went and they did well, I mean. I mean, I mean, they were. It was already earmarked to go certain places, but mm-hmm. you know that word "national emergency." I wish I could find my <laughs> definition I had of you know, "national emergency." That that superseded everything, okay. you know. And and you know, it, it's basically, you know, stuff for construction and housing. You know, basically overseas. You know, upgrading mm-hmm. certain things. That's what the money was earmarked for. The only yeah. problem is. Now, if they do actually use that money, which is interesting because it's not see people get people are under the the the, it, the impression that this is to build new section of wall. You know what they're building right at date? I said it on the show a long time ago, and that's what they're doing. They're improving the sections that need to be improved. Mm-hmm. And then they're thinking that they're building a new yeah. wall. But they think that but they're making it seem like it's a new wall. Now they may put up some new pieces here and there, but the majority of that money is going to fix uh, or reinforce, you know, a lot of the area that need to be reinforced. You know, I, before I, you know, just like Joe said, and I read a, a little article before I came on the air where you know um, the rest along the border have you know b- been going down. So as Joe mm-hmm. said, that, that you know that's one policy that may actually be working. You know, sometimes no. you have to step back. Well, you have to step back and, and take a look at, uh, at at some of the stuff. You know, not er, not not everyone doesn't do everything bad. You know, you really don't. But sometimes <laughs> we have to open up our mind and, and really sit back and think about it and say, well, maybe that is you know working a little bit. You know, give credit where credit is due. Well, you know, Mister, all is, his is, stuff work. No, me and Joe talked about that. No, all his stuff ain't working as crazy. It's not only it's not only people not coming through the Mexican border, they're not coming through no border. Period. To come over here, because there's some countries that telling other people not to come to this country, because they're shooting up people. That's the way. That, I mean, that's why they're stopping some of the people not coming. Well, the tourists and stuff I, that come here, they're slacking up because of that reason. So wouldn't you? Well, you know, I don't think the tourist trade is going to be affected that badly here in America. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So where and what cities um, have people stopped going as a result of mass shootings or as a result of violence? A lot of them stopped just, just not coming. Well, why would they stop coming? Because you're taking a chance to be at some some concert or something and some nut come want to shoot up some people, and you just might be in the mix of them. Well, then that's well, propaganda. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that you know that's that's the line. If you gonna stop living just because of that, I mean, they're not stopping. They're not individual. They're not stopping living. They just don't want to come over here. They find other places to go. Okay, well, that's all. Well, I don't know. What, I don't know. What, and <laughs> any other country and then, that's having and that money will go. What? I don't know any other country that has better, that has it better. In Germany, England, France, they're. But running. if I need each other, uh, uh, what is the man that they say just like Trump? They put him to the side and slept him down real quick, and his brother even quit. What's his name? The one with oh. the blonde hair, like his man that all together. It's talking about Boris Johnson. Yeah, Boris Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, they put him to the side. And if American people was had in the sense, they do the same thing. They just all like waiting well, for a miracle. <laughs> well, well, you know what? You know what? Yeah. <laughs> well, see here. You know, they have a, the, the, the American people have their chance in 2020, November 2020, to put him to the yeah. side. And that that'll tell it all basically. <laughs> it really and what kills and, and what kills me, Mr. Talk is like they were like, who can run against him? None of them don't have to run against him. They can, somebody else in his own party is going to run against him. That's who's going to run against him and might win. Well, Beto uh, or if he has the chance to finish his, his if he has the chance to finish mm. if they don't put him in jail first. Now, what do they want to run on? If you're supposed to be president, you're supposed to have a clear record, not a record of where you got women, you got thieves, you got your lawyers saying don't trust them, and you got all these things that's coming out and that's being fed. Not to me, these people that work with him. Well, okay. So and you what still, and you and you still have supporters that support him no matter what. Yes, you're gonna have some support him no matter what. Yeah. And the people who are coming Just like Joe. Him, like Scaramooch and some others. Um well he's the kind don't of get guy mad with that them. if you don't support what he says, he fires you. That's what I say, he gets <laughs> exactly. ready to fire somebody again. Yeah. So well, that is the um, that's a prerogative of of um, of the president. Or anybody who's brand new in any particular office, regardless of no, whether it's, it's a government office or a private sector. Oh, really? That's where it goes now. That's the way it's always been. Have you ever <laughs> been with a company when new people came in? <laughs> Old people got time. When new people came in, if they could remove them, because if they knew what they were doing, they weren't going anywhere. Right. And new people come in and they know they're doing everything, you're getting messed all up. They keep the old ones there in order for it to keep functioning the way it was doing. Uh, but if you bring in new people that don't know what they're doing, you're going to give a lot of messed up stuff like we see now. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you know, because it, Kelly, it has... What? Go ahead. Kelly and husband don't even agree with him. Oh, and she works with him, and we, he works with him, too. You know what, though? I, I've been thinking about that. that, part. that I bet that is fun <laughs> to hear. If I, I would love to be a fly on the wall, you know, when she goes home at night and have to deal with him, or he has to deal with her, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? Huh? Kelly Ann Conway and her husband. Oh, you know, he's a, yeah. Yeah. Yo, he's Come a big, on, big. Uh, I wonder what upset him. Say what, man? Yeah, they want him to get primaried out. They want if he get primaried out of get primaried out, he won't be running for nothing except the next jail cell. Well, you know, here's here's the thing. A lot of a lot of the states I read this last week as well. A lot of the states are Republicans. You know, Republic where they have the Republican primaries at. A lot of them are canceling mm-hmm. those canceling those primaries. So you know, there won't be a chance for anybody to run. Yeah, yeah. Which is not. Which yeah. I mean, it's done all the time. Even Democrats. When you have a Democratic president running for a second term, a lot of cities would do the same thing. 
you know, they wouldn't won't have a Democratic primary, you know, if you have an incumbent that's going to run, you know, for another term as president. And that's to eliminate that's to eliminate, you know, any competitors showing up, uh, you know, trying to take the steam. However, in this case, the article said it's more or less uh, they don't want anybody showing up and embarrassing, you know, uh, the president. So that's why a lot of them are doing it. Uh, I was like, okay. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He 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 does a pretty good job of that himself, but okay. You know, yes. but it, it's not it's not unusual for, for yeah. you know, um mm-hmm. a sitting president party to do that. It's not unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But why are some of these why are these Republicans going home? I I see why one went going home. He said he's going home to take care of his family. Well the one you, you know that that weird looking well, well, you know why a lot of them are going home? Because they, right. they're not they don't have the support and they really don't support a lot of things that um the president is doing. Um and honestly, I don't I, I really think they believe he's gonna be reelected and they I guess they don't wanna go through another term under him. Mm-hmm. That that that's the only reason I can say because a lot of them have been there for years, you know. The only one that's not going anywhere is Mitch McConnell and he's up for re election as well. But rumor mm-hmm. has it that he's in trouble in his part of the country as well, you know, because a lot of them, uh, um, you know, feel he's, you know, he's standing in the way of a lot of stuff. Well, I think they are going home because when the, when America found out what they really into and what they're going to be on and stuff like that, when they wake up, they don't want to be there because well, they was a part look, of it. <laughs> look, May, if, if America hasn't, if, if, if the sheep hasn't figured that out by now, they're not going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, Some of them haven't. Because because it, it just didn't start when Trump took office, okay? No, it didn't. It didn't start. <laughs> yeah. But when they find their portfolios and all this stuff that they don't have nothing in it, it's going to be risking in the last time. Yeah. yeah like I said, it, if they haven't figured it out by now, they, they're they not going to figure it out. They, they really mm-hmm. are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to be in nobody's way when they... I'm just going to put it that way. Huh? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in nobody's way when they feel like they're going to figure out that they can't get their pensions or whatever. I don't want to be in the way. <laughs> because this company is bankrupt and you can't find them. <laughs> well, Maze, I mean, let's be honest. You know, we've mm-hmm. been hearing that for years, you know, about, mm-hmm. you know, pensions and things like that, you know, dwindling, being stolen, or what have you. So, I mean, see, once again, as I like to say, you know, you you have to take a look at the history. Don't just stop right now at the present. Look at the history. And no, that's what I'm saying. A lot of stuff is nothing but just a, 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 a recirculation of what's been going on. But when they jump really out of windows at one time because of that? <coughs> when they jump out of windows and commit suicide because of stuff like that at one time under some president? Yeah. Oh, okay. Of course they did. And it's almost happened yeah. because of somebody brought it back to... To even this, I mean, so the people could be happy, and then another one came in and messed it up again, and one straightened the halfway out the way it should be, and well, same well, rolling right, and somebody came in and spent up the money. Well, see, Maze, here's my here's my take on that. All right, <laughs> here's my take <laughs> on that. You can only you can only feel. Okay, and I, this is this is Mr. Talk Theory right here. Okay? okay, you can only feel like your life is ending if you lose all your money. If you used to having money, okay, I mean, let's be honest. 
that there's there's many people that's been living beyond poverty for years, you know, and surviving. And as as the economy get worse, they continue to survive. Yeah, well, now you, you have know, those, if you go back, yeah, like to so. Let me say this: some people have money, and some don't have money, and they know how to survive. Those that don't are the ones going to be the ones that you just going to have to stay out of the way of. So I mean, glad to hear I, your voice. Uh, when they don't have no job, <laughs> when they don't have a job and can't go to work because the company went out of business, like uh, these stores are going out of business now. These uh, people don't have no jobs. Oh boy! But then you keep saying jobs are coming back, and businesses are closing up every day. Well, hello. I guess that's what well, I'm talking about. Hello. Uh, Let's, let's oh, the reason I said that, the reason I said that, Mr. Thomas, I was in the store the other day. I went in the store. Uh, it was going out of business. The lady said they didn't tell us it was going out of business. Ooh, they just told us like uh, two or three days before the store was going out of business. What are we gonna do? Well, so that's why I was asking the question. Uh, that, that's not unusual either. <laughs> Look, I know some restaurants <laughs> around here that people get to work that day and there's a lock on the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I mean, oh, you know, I, can tell you I remember when I was hired um, to be a director of this particular company uh, for marketing, and um, we had gone through some negotiations. And then when it came time to go to work, they had let me know that the uh, the money that they needed in order to fund the operation wasn't coming. So I got released even before I started one day of work there. <laughs> wow. Those that been there the 15 to 16 years and they can't get nothing from working out because they closed the company and they don't get nothing. The unemployment, yeah. if they can, get that. I mean, well, that's, bankruptcies that's, have been happening, you know, for years. Um, right. You know. But no, it's been happening for years, but you keep saying the jobs are coming back and people are working and you got more people, people to work. Well, I mean, jobs have increased. Unemployment is low. I'm not employed as what? Low. Really? Okay, what do you okay, well, what's your definition? You can say unemployment is low, you can go down Never. you can go down a percentage in and unemployment gonna be low. So really. Hey. Well, you know, when when it comes to <laughs> those, those unemployment numbers and the employment numbers, you know, I don't care what president is in charge, those numbers are always skewed to you know, look one way or another yes. or make them look better than they actually is. Uh you know, and I always say, you know, what when you count those numbers, are they including the ones that's in prison? Are they include the ones that just gonna stop looking for jobs? You know, so or are they just based on the amount of applications that's put in and what the companies are reporting? And we do know, and I put this on on the show's webpage at one time. You know, there's a whole different form of use. You know. Uh, um, than what we're given, you know, as far as unemployment and employment, you know, numbers and things like that. This, you know what though? Basically, when it comes to it, it's like this. It it, it it's like this. You believe what you want to. If you know people around you got jobs, you say yeah, jobs are good. If you got people around you that can't find a job, and you know, besides the ones just smoking weed or what have you, you know, yeah. and they just can't, find, you know, they just can't. I mean, yeah. it's just you know. And, and but, it depends on the area of country you live in, you know, the market you live in, you know, the business that's around you. I mean, it, it, it's so much. And we, I think a lot of times as, as people, we just rely on 
you know, the numbers that's given to us, and we go by that. But sometimes it's good just to go out, walk about it, and just pay attention to what's going on in your own little city. And a lot of times that will tell you what's really going on. Yeah, ah, that's, just, that's just my theory. That's just my theory. But that's where it works. But then, yeah, because you don't have people that work part time. They have to work two part time jobs to make a full time job. Yeah, but so that's counted as two instead of one. That's, see, see, that's another aspect of it. Even though it's part time, they're still employed. And then they don't can get any benefits, no medical benefits because they're that's, not full time. I that's, remember that's, when I had to work two, and, and two part time jobs, no benefits, but it was a good thing I could work because I had money coming in. Yeah. You know, that, you know that that has nothing to do with it. If it's, if it's part time, yes, it job you employ. Okay, you employ. Yeah, but you, you that's counted as it's two one job, not two, to get full well, time. But you still can't get medical benefits, and then you got to pay uh, pay for your insurance, and that's how you. I don't know what. Well, I mean, <laughs> you say well, I'm not talking to people and sitting and going to different places. It's not. It's not new. Well, I'm trying to tell you, this is nothing. Yeah, I mean, not when new. I was doing it, way before Trump came in. I mean, this is—I'm going back years ago. So, but yeah. things were supposed to get better under Trump. It's not better. Wow. Well, Maybe. it just depends. Once again, it just depends on what you consider better. Okay, Mr. Talking. You know, what you consider better, huh? I just told you what uh, I consider better: a full-time yeah. job and not a part-time. Okay. To, to you, to you, a full-time job is better. But for the yeah. individual that don't have a job, if they can get a part-time job where they bring Ooh, some some right. and they can feed their family, that's better. If they get a part-time job and they can feed their family, and then yeah, a part-time job won't yeah. feed the family, and what happens? They lose everything they got. Mary, you said two part-time. You said two part. At least I'm saying two part-time jobs. <laughs> if I had to work in the morning for one company. When 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock came around, I had to go to the other job. I had two part-time jobs, so that money was coming in. It's better to have two part-time jobs and no benefits than to have no job, no benefits at all. And then what happened when you get sick? So what happens? It's better to have money coming you in go, to pay the rent. You go to the emergency the room. Food. Right. <laughs> you, go really? to, you go to the doctor like you would anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with a bill that you got to pay out of them two part-time yeah, jobs. Man, and there's more money out of your pocket, really? I'm not finding <laughs> negative. I'm just finding the truth in it. But talking to people. Uh, if, I'm talking if you don't to talk to people, you don't know. part-time jobs who ordinarily didn't have two uh, jobs at all. But you call, yeah. it, call it two part-time yeah. jobs to make one. So what? I mean, mate, there's a lot of, there's a lot there's of individuals lot. that do it. Mm-hmm. Because they have to. Yes, What is it that you want the president to do? What does I want the president to do? Yeah. What is it you expecting the president to do or what I want him to do? Either or. Take your pick. So, have people, so people have full-time jobs so they can have, have medical and everything else that they need. Right. Not two part-time jobs where you're going to have to end up paying a hospital bill, and then you got that out of your two part-time jobs, then you got to pay that bill. So the president you have a, of the United and you States, have to have no surgery or something is, that's going to cost you a lot of money. So he's responsible for that, personally responsible. Well, uh, no, he's not responsible for it. The Congress should be responsible for it. Oh, yeah, well. All of them should be responsible. Uh, you know that's what? You, you, see you know the, how they can be that's responsible? Why you see they the people. can leave Americans alone so that they can do their own thing so that every time Americans don't, uh, don't turn around, 
they're not violating some kind of law, some kind of statute. You know what I would like to see also uh, rescinded by Congress? Civil asset forfeitures. I would like for people to roll down the street, not get pulled over by a cop, and then have the money taken from the guy or the girl without due process. That's been well, actually, they, they have changed that a little bit, Joe. They actually have changed that a little bit. That was they that may was be a part trying of the, to work on it, but as far as no, I know, no, that's still in no, full I, swing. No, Joe, I'm telling you, that was part of no. It, I mean, they still have it, but it, it's it's easier now to get your property and stuff back, and it's harder for them to just to seize your your stuff like that. That was a part of the um, the what is it, justice initiative that was passed um, last year, in fact, last year. Yeah, even last year, earlier this year, I find it and and and, and um, read it um, um, okay. Friday on the show. But I know I've got it because I, I talked about it. So because they did gonna, uh, the change, they did a little change of uh, the three strikes um, rule. Also. Are you going to be what? around Friday? Because you weren't around yeah. last Friday. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the storm kind of messed me up last Friday. Okay. But yes, I'll be around this Friday. I will be around this Friday. You know, I was monitoring family and things like that last week, so, yeah. Oh, the storm but I'll be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and but the anyway. thing is, that storm, if that storm would have huh? did, came the way they were saying it was going to come, uh, it was going to be a lot of money being spent to have to rebuild some stuff. Yeah, well, you can thank Bermuda for that. I mean, Bahamas. Because, you know, Bahamas took the brunt. The Bahamas took the brunt of that storm. Yeah. You know, which is you know sad, but you know that that's you know, and I know we're getting off the top a little bit uh, before I get out of here. I just got to say, you know, it's sad. You know that you live someplace like that for all your life, beautiful place. You know, but one storm come through, you know, and you know the, the prospects are there. And it just destroy everything you've lived you you live for your whole entire life, you know. And I don't know if anybody been to Bahamas, but I have, you know. And, and the way to see the way the houses were, you already knew there was trouble coming. That was a whole lot of trouble. But it's good to see that the, the um, cruise in this cruise ship industry um, is taking you know lead and, and you know helping um, helping the islands out because you know they have boats and stuff going there all the time. So that's good to see, you know. And yeah, Florida and the East Coast, they 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 skated one on that one. They really did. Yeah. But you know, they you know, you know, sometimes you have to look at it and say, well, you know, it is what it is. You know, it, sometimes it's, it, you know you look out, and sometimes you get hit. You know, it, you know, you there know, were people not, who were blaming the hurricane on on Trump. They don't blame the hurricane know, on Trump. You know that that's about as bad as him talking. About, you know that's about bad as him talking about dropping a nuke in in a hurricane. You know, like <laughs> all right, none of y'all got insist. I mean, why are you gonna blame him for a hurricane? What the, I mean, what did he do? They really? didn't blame him for no hurricane. They was blaming him for saying that it was going to Alabama, and they need to get prepared. And so, so he was telling the people in Alabama to get prepared so they can help their economy, because that's the only thing they could have done when they bought water, bread, and milk. Maze, and that's, that's the only thing, thing they could have done. So there that's the only thing. Who blamed him for the hurricane. There must have been the ones that were around you. No, man. You know. It's in the media. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about nuking the hurricane. How can you do that? Yeah, well, he asked, could it be done? He asked, been... could it be done? Oh, yeah. Gosh, and, you know, and, and he talked about big IQ. 
but, but wait a minute, wait a minute now. But honestly, if you think about it, you know, you think about it, you know, yeah, what if, but then you're, you know, no. And, you know. You know he had to be facetious. You know when he said he had to nuke the hurricane, he jokes around. He's not saying that you should drop an A-bomb in the the eye of a hurricane. You know, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, and that's what, you know, it's taken and they run with it. So, that's right. you know, that's yeah. what I say. A lot of times, you know, you just have to keep your open mind and sit back and look, you know, and just wait. And just wait. <laughs> you know. I say, you don't talk about people IQ when you're saying stuff like that. Oh, I mean, you're I mean, on low volume. I like it like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> I got to get up out of here, man. I ain't back with y'all. This is fun. I'm up like an old time. All right. Yeah. You, you, yeah. I forgot about Maze while I was waiting for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So, come on, Maze. Give me some last words. I don't think I have any last words today, but that was the funniest thing I ever heard. Maybe Joe thought the same way. You could go do it. They come for a reason. The storms come for a reason. I'm going to leave it that way. They come for a reason, okay. They come for a reason. All right. man know that he has no power over nothing. Ah. He can be destroyed in a day. Okay, so we went, we went and I look at the, Okay. Yeah, I like storms coming to the show that they come for a reason. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And water, milk, and bread can't save. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, have a good one. All right, you too, Maze. Thank you. Oh. All right, Joe. <laughs> what, is, what is Maze talking about? I, what did I say about it? they come for a reason? What is that? <laughs> I don't Maze know what you're saying, him. Maze, but in Maze any case, him. it does feel like old times. And in any case, you be safe out there, Maze, because this is a, the country's more dangerous philosophically and probably more physically than before. So, and you too, Eric, okay? Uh, it's time for all of us to be careful because you never know uh, what's what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, but that was different. Okay, but thank you, Joe. <laughs> yeah. That is so true. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that is true. That is Everybody true. And you know out. what, Joe? You, uh-huh. you know what's so interesting about that? You do have to be careful with who you decide to have a conversation about, especially when you're talking about. Um, um, today politically or anything oh, like that. Oh God, yeah. Isn't that something? Because, isn't oh, that, man. That's foolish to me. There are people who have unfriended their relatives simply because they have political disagreements on on Facebook. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's crazy. Yeah, and I, in, in all honesty, what we need more is open and honest communication. Yeah. You know, right. I think you know we would solve a lot of things that way. But if you know, everybody right. wants to get up, get up we bitten, and if people can't uh, can't agree, stop talking politics. Talk about something right. else. <laughs> true, true. You know, you yeah, don't yeah. unfriend your relatives um, just because of um, you know. I like Trump. I don't like Trump. You're gone. You don't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't do that. You know, and, and you have those individuals that no matter what, you know, they're not going to like Trump no matter what he does. Right. Uh, you know, just like you had the same for those that you know felt that about you know Obama. No, yeah. there was nothing right he was going to be able to do, nothing. And I'm the first one to say Obama wasn't the, the perfect president, you know. And uh-huh. everything Trump has done has not been bad. Okay, I say uh-huh. it. 
Now, a lot of it is, but not (laughs) not all of it. So, I mean, and if you can honestly say that, then that means you are looking, really looking at what's going on and not just following the crowd or whether, you know, you got to hate them or you got to love them. You know, it's just that simple. Right. A person should take into consideration what the other person has to say, regardless of whether they agree or disagree. So this idea where people are unfriending, and um, and even if they're not unfriending on Facebook, if they're meeting together, let's say, in Thanksgiving or having uh, family get-togethers, and they have to have arguments which separate the family over political um, ideology, just don't have the, the bloody arguments. You know, all right. Just don't have a conversation with us yeah. at all. <laughs> That's too easy. <laughs> that is just too easy. <laughs> I know. Is that something? Hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is just too easy. All right, Joe. I'm gonna get up out of here, man. But thank you, man. And I'll be here Friday. Hopefully, I get to yeah, hear you I'm more Friday. Yeah, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're well. So, good. good. I'll see you then, huh? All right. Thanks, Joe. All right. Take care. All right. All right, man, I tell you, what a great, great show. Oh, man, it felt like old times, I tell you. <laughs> Woo, got me feeling good. All right, man, I want to thank Joe and Mays for calling in and keeping me company. And everybody else that was listening that I cannot see, thank you as well. Um, it's been fun. We're going to bring you try and bring you another interesting show Friday. Uh, who knows? We may make it open mic. I don't know. It just depends on what goes on during the week or what I run across in my nightly readings. But anyway, I want to say thank you. Yeah, have fun. Uh, just remember, keep smiling, show appreciation, forgive with open heart, but make sure you forgive yourself first. And the biggest, best thing, learn to, la, 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 learn to laugh at yourself like I just did. Because if you laugh at yourself, everything else is just gravy. All right, so I'm going to take you all out of here with um, The Get Up Man by Blanco Brown. I like this song, man, because you, you can do a little dance to it. Joe, don't hang up because you're going to like this song, too. All right, man. I'll see y'all Friday. Y'all have a good week. I'm out of here. Right now, I just need you to get real loose. Get comfortable. Grab your loved ones or grab your love partner. And if you're by yourself, no worries. Just follow after me. Yeah. Gonna do the two-step then cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and To the right, to the right. Now take your left hand and put it on your side. Gonna roll your shoulders. Do the slip and slide. This next part's my favorite part of this time of shot. Gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now and dip with it. Gonna throw down. To the left, slide to the right. Now cool down. Have a good time. Slide to the left, slide to the right. Do the butterfly. Have a good time. Round, round, round around you go. It's time to show out right now and take to the floor. Gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and 
break it, take it down now. Bring it up now, bring it, bring it up now. Bring it up now, bring it, bring it up now. Take it down and crisscross. Bring it up now, crisscross. Do whatever you like right here. Just have fun. Gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab it, sweetheart, and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.